Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It is so very, very good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're enjoying uh, what we're doing here. Man, we had some people work really hard decorating the foyer this past week. And uh, if you have an opportunity, go over and see what happened in Faith Kids Ministries. We had people work all week to decorate uh, the foyer and the kids' environments. Let's just give them a hand right now. Everybody that worked hard. You know who you are. We don't know, but we know who, you know who you are. So anyway, thank you so much. It, it, it makes a big difference. Man, isn't it nice to see those ladies walking around aprons, handing out candy and cupcakes and popcorn? That was a big hit today. So uh, just, just, a little bit, just a little bit of extra for the holiday season. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Christmas at the Movies. And the idea is that, of course, we're not preaching from movies, but a movie can be a modern-day parable. So we're going to kind of reach in and find the God in these movies and, and draw that out, take a look at the Word of God and some of those principles. Let me say this quickly. If you didn't hear this at the beginning, I need to kind of make this a little bit more clear. If you have kids here that believe in Santa Claus and they're sitting in this auditorium, you need to go ahead and get them out of here right now, okay? Or if you believe, I had an adult come up to me and say, what are you trying to say about Santa Claus? <laughs> so if you believe in Santa Claus, I would have... Anyway, just letting you know about that very, very quickly. Let's just kick this off with prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here. And I pray, Father, that as we dive in to a brand new series, that you open up our hearts and minds to receive of you today and throughout this series. And I pray that you will bring people to you this holiday season in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be your best Christmas. the opportunity to see the movie. It's a great movie. I'd never seen it before. I watched it by myself. I was like, <laughs> I about cried. Anyway, <laughs> but it was, uh, it's, a, it's a journey called Polar, it's a movie called Polar Express, a young man. But really, I think the movie is about a young man that wanted to believe in the stories of Christmas, but he couldn't because of the things that happened in his life. He'd seen too much that made him not to believe, and the whole movie is about his journey from not believing all the way to believe in his journey where, where he would come to believe. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about this message that I'm calling Choose to Believe. Choose to Believe. I don't know what your experience with Santa Claus was, but um, my experience with Santa Claus was a lot like the classic song, the country song by the late, great Buck Owens. Does anybody remember Buck Owens? A few of you remember Buck Owens. 
he sang this song. It's called Santa Looked a Lot Like Daddy. <laughs> Santa looked a lot like Daddy, or Daddy looked a lot like him. It wasn't way the, uh, he wasn't, uh, he's not the way I had him pictured. Santa was much too thin. He didn't come down the chimney, so Mama must have let him in. Santa looked a lot like Daddy, or Daddy looked a lot like him. They thought I was fast asleep. They thought I was tucked in bed. They never thought I'd come a-peeping or that I'd hear what he said. Santa put his arm around Mama, and Mama put his arm around him. So if Santa, if he ain't Daddy, then I'm going to tell on him. I never saw a dancer and prancer. I never saw the sleigh bells ring. I never saw the red-nosed reindeer like the show on the TV screen. But he sure brought a lot of presents, so Santa Claus, he must have been. But Santa looked a lot like Daddy, or Daddy looked a lot like him. First of all, you got to love classic country music. Second of all, it makes me uncomfortable to use the word daddy on stage. <laughs> I can't explain to you why. Do you remember, do you remember believing in Santa Claus? Do you remember that? You remember way back when? Do you remember the last time you believed in Santa Claus? I, I was a kid that had a lot of questions. I asked why and, and how, and I was kind of a logistic type of, of kid. And, and I always wanted to believe, and I did believe, but... As I get, began to get a little bit older, five or six years old, I had a lot of questions that people couldn't really answer. I, I remember the last year, like five years old, 1973, I remember the last year that I believed in Santa Claus. I needed a little bit more proof, so I asked my mother if I could sleep on the sofa in the living room, kind of laid back watching the Christmas tree and the milk and cookies. So I sat there all night and tried to stay awake, and I was like, Mom... You know, we lived in a, a trailer house, which in my mind was awesome because Santa had a nice flat landing. I really thought that, he, you know, because the trailer house, you know, they got the, you know, anybody ever live in a trailer house? Okay, okay, flat landing, okay, for Santa, that was a good thing. The bad thing was we didn't have a chimney. So I was asking mom, I'm like, mom, how is Santa Claus going to get in the house because, you know, we have no chimney? Well, son, he's going to come in through the front door. He's going to come in through the front door, which was a bad thing. I remember the night... The night before Christmas, some dude had broke out of prison. He was living in our neighborhood. or the, the, prison, the, the, the police officers were looking at him, so everybody was on lockdown. It was like, Santa Claus is coming through the door. It was like, how's he even going to get in? But I fell asleep that night, and I, woke, and I woke up the next morning, and I was really disappointed because I didn't get to see anything. And then Christmas, and then we all go to Christmas. But, I mean, we, we all go to school, and here's the deal. The idea of Santa Claus is according to the songs that we sang at four and five years old that Santa kept a list of all the boys and girls throughout the entire world, okay? And how many times does he check that list? How many? He's checking it once. He's checking it twice, right? He checks it twice. So if you were bad as a kid, I remember thinking this, if you're bad as a kid once, well, you got another chance, okay? And then... In school, in kindergarten, I remember sitting down and writing a letter to Santa. Did anybody do this? I, we wrote letters to Santa, a portion of our day that we were going to say that we were good boys and girls, and then we folded up, put it in envelopes, and mailed it to Santa. Where did that go? Okay. We mailed it to Santa, and I remember asking Santa if I could have a G.I. Joe. All right. I just, hey, listen, action characters in the, in the early 70s were the bomb. I mean, they were really cool. Did anybody have a big gym? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I wanted a big gym and a G.I. Joe. and a, How about a $6 million man? Anybody have a $6 million? Okay. So anyway, 
That, okay, so these, I wanted an action, just one action character, and I wanted a G.I. Joe that, you know, I remember writing that letter, okay? And then, you know, I remember being a little bit disappointed and thinking to myself, you know, waking up the next day, and let me explain really quickly that, man, when we, where I grew up, you know, and when I grew up when I was like five years old from about, from about four years old to about 12 years old, there were five kids in the house, six kids in the house, and my parents were just trying to make ends meet. They, my dad was a pastor of a church. Have you ever heard the expression that, that we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor? Have you ever heard that expression? We were poor, and we knew we were poor because the poor people felt sorry for us. The poor people would, I remember somebody felt so sorry for us that they gave us a goat. You ever drink goat's milk? I remember my mom pouring that through a rag in a glass jar thinking to myself, I don't know about this. I don't know if I want goat's milk. I just remember trying to ride that goat. I remember going outside. That goat was standing on the top of our car. And I had feeding paper, plate, paper plates. The goat ate paper plates. Anyway, childhood memories. Interesting childhood memories. But I remember, you know, I, I mean, I know we didn't have a lot. But I wrote Santa a letter. And there were some questions that I had to ask mom. Now, I wanted to know why, you know, was I a good boy? I felt like I was a good boy. And I didn't really, and why is it that Santa favored the, the privileged kids at school? Why is it that I got a pair of boots, a suitcase, and a pair of socks, and a gloves, and all the kids that were, that were like kind of brats at school, they got everything that they ever wanted. I had questions for Santa. So mom set me down when I was six years old. Our kids live in a different world today, don't they? You know what I wanted to do that I got outvoted when all my kids were in my house and they were little? And I want somebody to do this, okay? I, I got outvoted, but somebody, let me know if this ever happens. It, just, just, just roll with me for a second. Take all your kids' Christmas gifts the night before and put them out in the garage, everything. Stock, fill their stockings with coal and sticks and everything. Put it all out there and let them run down and have nothing there. And you're like, well, what did you kids do? Well, I guess we got hot chocolate. Well, hey, next time when I tell you to keep your room clean next year, I guess you will, won't you? <laughs> Just let me know how that flies. I, I wasn't able to pull that off, but I always wanted to do that. Does that seem cruel? I, I want to do that. <laughs> so anyway, where was I? Oh, so I sat down with my mom. I sat down with my mom, and she said, son, sit down. i got to tell you a story. So she begins to roll out this story of, of how, things, how things are, how, I mean, she began to tell me the truth. <laughs> and she said, so I'm like, so wait a minute. There is no Rudolph? No, son, there's no reindeer running around with a light on the end of its nose. Okay, well, wait a minute. The milk and cookies were gone. Son, your dad got up in the middle of the night, drank the milk, and ate the cookies. So I remember thinking to myself, not only have I been lied to, but I got cheated out of milk and cookies. The least you could have done is give me the milk and cookies. And then she began to explain that, son, if this is what you want, we'll get it for you, but you're going to have to work for it. You know, the thing about believing, there is a problem with believing. There is a problem with believing. that we, Sometimes we torture kids in that room in there. I just want you to know. They act bad. Just, we've been known to do that, burn them on the hands or something. So anyway, <laughs> the problem with believing is that we don't want to believe. The problem with believing 
today isn't that we've never believed or that we've never wanted to believe. It's that we have believed in things in our lives that were not true. We have believed, in, we have believed throughout our lives, especially growing up as a kid, you know, you, you believe everything somebody tells you and you learn year by year that you get lied to. You learn year by year that people will take advantage of you being naive. So we move from a place, as we grow older, we move from a place of, of believing to doubt. And it wasn't really our fault. It was that things happened to us. It's kind of like this movie was a, a young man that he'd seen too much about the stories of Christmas to believe in. He could no longer believe. That's what happens in our life when it comes to our relationship with God. It's not that people don't want to believe in God. It's not that they don't have hope. It's just that things have happened in people's lives that causes them to doubt. And then we put together phrases that help us deal with, with our unbelief. I mean, think about these phrases that help us protect ourselves, like buyer beware. Do you know why that, do you know why that phrase even exists? It's because people have been taken advantage of because of people that tried to sell them things. They gave way too much for things. Seeing is believing. If you want me to believe, you got to show me because you can't just tell me anymore. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Phrases that remind us not to believe. And then we begin to choose doubt over belief. We move from a place in life. We move from a place in life of believing to doubting. And when we do that, the problem with doubt the problem with, with, with guarding yourself, you see, walking in doubt, walking in doubt is an easier place to live. Walking in doubt, is, 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 it's a safer place to be because when you walk in doubt, somebody can't take advantage of you. You know what I'm talking about. When you choose not to believe, you're, you feel safer, you feel a little bit wiser, and you feel a little bit smarter. I, I, I want to tend to doubt. In fact, I'm not going to give you my trust. You have to earn my trust. You have to prove your trust. I will not begin by giving you my trust. And the problem with choosing to doubt is it, is it exactly where the enemy wants you to live. He wants you to live far from faith because God has a different mentality for us. He wants us to walk in faith. He wants us to believe first. But the enemy wants you to walk in doubt and wants you to walk in disbelief because that will get you far from God. It will get you far from faith where you never trust in or believe in a God that you cannot prove exists and that you have never seen. So he wants you to walk in disbelief. You know what? I believe the best thing that the devil ever did is convince this world that there is nothing beyond what we can see. The best thing he ever did is, is, is convince us that he or God does not exist. So I want to talk to you for just a little bit longer and use the rest of my time and talk to you why believing is such a big deal and why God requires it of us. First of all, believing is the first step to faith. Believing is the first step to faith because believing is the starting place of our religion. Believing is the starting place of our faith. In Matthew 9 and 27, the Bible talks about two blind men that approached Jesus, that they wanted to be healed. And Jesus looked at them as they said, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him. And Jesus said to them right off the bat, he did not ask them what was wrong with them. He didn't ask them about anything that happened in their childhood. The very first thing that he asked them is, do you believe that I am able to do this? 
I think it is very important that we don't miss how Jesus dealt with people before he healed them. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, according to the fact that you've believed in me and that I can do this, it is done. You know, a lot of people sometimes will interchange and confuse believing for faith. Now listen to me. Believing or belief is a part of faith, but believing is not the same as faith. Faith has more dimensions. Faith, the beginning of, the beginning of faith is believing. And from believing, you have to go into obedience. That's the next dimension of faith. And then from there, you go into, you go into acting on your faith. So faith has different dimensions, but faith does not and cannot exist without believing because belief is the first step of faith. Here's another thing. A lot of times people will look at us and say, you know, faith is blind. You know, you have a blind faith. You believe in something that, that, that does not exist. The, the difference in our faith is faith, faith has an object. It's not just we're just a people of faith. It's just that, it's, it's that we have faith in God and we have faith in God's word. That we believe that God is who he said he is or that he said he was. It seems also, it seems also that Jesus spent much of his time addressing and challenging the, the people's unbelief around him. If you look at the scripture, when he would heal people, he would deal with them and he would talk to them about their unbelief. The Bible says that many times when, when he dealt with people, that he would marvel at their faith and he would marvel also at their lack of faith or their not believing. We see that many times when he would heal people. As I just read, he would ask them if, if they believed. But there's another verse of scripture. If you go back to uh, when he goes to his hometown in Mark, the sixth chapter, he goes into his hometown. And you would think that hearing the things that had, Jesus had done, that they would be happy that he was back visiting them. But the Bible says that they talked behind his back and they said, wait a minute, this is Jesus. We know his brothers. We know his father. We know who his mother is. He's from right around the block here. This cannot be the Messiah. And the Bible goes on to say that Jesus only performed just a few miracles because of their unbelief. Because they did not believe. God works in the realm of believing. There is no faith. And there is no relationship with God without belief. Belief is the starting point of our faith, and it is very important. Second of all, believing is the first step to possibilities. In order for, uh, in order for something that seems impossible to become possible, you have to first believe. Because if you don't believe, there's no way that impossible situation can ever take place. In Mark, the ninth chapter and the second, or the 22nd verse, a man brought his son to Jesus, and his son was suffering. I think one of the hardest things that anybody could ever go, to, go through is a situation where their child is suffering. And this happened for a season. Maybe it happened for years, but this young son was tormented by an evil spirit. And the father said that it, it has tried to kill him. It tries to drown him in pools of water. It has tried to throw him in the fire. So he's, you know, I believe that this man had seen some things take place that maybe caused doubt to rise up in his life. Because listen to what he says. He goes, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus stopped him right there and said, what do you mean if I can? It's not a matter if I can. Jesus asked, 
anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I've seen too many things. I've seen the suffering of my son. I've, I've prayed about this before. I've seen, I've seen this situation. In fact, the Bible says that the, the father took the son to the apostles and they prayed over him and nothing happened. So Jesus said, bring the boy to me. So in that moment, he said, if you can do something, nobody else can do anything. And Jesus said, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Because anything is possible if you can believe. Listen to me. We cannot allow past experiences in our lives to dictate our belief in God and what God can do. See, that's, that's the hard thing. It's hard to wrap our minds around what the possibilities of what God can do. It's hard to believe when you've seen so many things in your life that causes you to disbelieve. Amen? I've, I've, I have seen so many things happen in church. I've been in church all of my life, and I've seen more people, more people in church prayed for and more people sick and, and prayed for than I've seen healed. In fact, I've seen way more not healed than I've seen healed. But that doesn't change the fact that God can and will heal. Are you listening to me? I, don't, I can't explain those things. But it doesn't change the fact. It would be very easy for me to let, you know, let past experiences in my life, just not in other people's life, the things that I've seen but also what I've experienced, it would be very easy for, for my past experiences to dictate my belief in God. But I choose to believe. That's what I'm talking to you today about is choosing to believe. I want you to choose to believe the possibility of what God might want to do in your life. What is possible in your life? That if you would only believe it could happen. Let me, ask, let, me, let me just switch it a little bit and ask this. What seems so impossible that you don't believe could happen, but you believe that God may be wanting to work in your life. What is that thing in your life? Hey, forget about it just for a second. Don't worry about it happening. But can I get you just to wrap your mind around choosing to believe in the possibility of it right now? Just choosing to believe. Before the 1950s, as far as track and field, it seemed impossible. People actually thought it was impossible to run a mile in under four minutes. People really believed it was impossible. Until 1954 when a man uh, by the name of Roger Bannister, after running 800 meters, which is, I believe it's half a mile, after running 800 meters, thought to himself, I can run a mile in under Four minutes, and people told him it was not possible. But he trained, and he actually, in 1954, he ran a mile in just under four minutes, which is an incredible story. But for me, the most interesting part of that story is that world record only lasted 45 days, and it was broken again. And then, if you think about it now, years go by, it is now the standard. If you're going to be a world-class one-mile racer or whatever, one-mile runner, it, there's, no even, there's no reason to even think that you can compete unless you can run a mile in under four minutes. But here's the deal. It took somebody believing that it was possible. The enemy would like for you to walk in your life believing or thinking that things are impossible and not believing in what God wants to do in your life. But I'm telling you right now, if you can just begin to believe, then 
God can begin to move in your life if you believe that same man. What seems impossible in your life? What do you believe in God to do? I remember 15 years, I talked to somebody a while ago that was in our first service that I hadn't seen in years that actually helped us 18 years ago put the steel up in, this, in our old facility. I, I, that was just a surreal moment. Hey, I remember you bringing your truck out in your crane and helping us put up that steel. And he was looking at it. He hadn't seen our church yet. He said, man, this is amazing what you guys are doing. Back then, I was thinking, man, if we could just build that. We didn't have, that seemed impossible. I never even dreamed that God wanted to do something like this. And if God can do something like this, what can he do in the future of Faith Coast Church? But it took us coming together and saying, hey, you know what? This isn't our thing. This is God's thing. What is God going to do? We had to begin to believe that God could do the impossible. Amen? That's when God brings impossible things to possibility. Just believe. And look at your neighbor and say, just believe. So believing is the first step to faith. Believing is the first step to possibilities. And lastly, believing is the first step to God. Believing is the first step to God. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Let me read that again. That's a very important scripture for us. It is impossible to please God without faith. But look at the next sentence. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Anyone who believes or anyone who desires to come to God must believe that God exists. Before, before God proves himself. That is a huge challenge to all of us because for us, seeing is believing. For us, God, if you will prove yourself to me, then I will give my life to you. That's the way we have been conditioned and trained our entire lives, and it started when we were kids. But that's not the way God rolls, and that's not the way God has put in his scripture and written us uh, all over the scripture that that is not the way faith works. Believing is a prerequisite to becoming. The first step for us is believing. Salvation, peace with God, it's the first steps. The first step is believing. And listen to me, believing is not based on proof. Did you hear that? For us, seeing is not believing. We walk by faith and not by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. For us, seeing is not believing. We don't live according to the world's standards. Believing is not based on proof. If you're an atheist or agnostic, a person like that would tell you that God is an idea, that God is a theory. And he is no more, I mean, in the same category as the tooth fairy or unicorns. And something that is a theory must be proved. And the burden of proof is upon you or it's on me. That's what somebody who's an atheist will tell you. If, no, no, no. God is an idea. And it's not my responsibility to just believe. You can't tell me just to believe. You have to prove that God exists. And if you will prove, then I will believe. But that is not what God does. Believing is not based on proof. For me, and this is what I'm trying to tell you guys today. This is what I'm... The, 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 the theme of today's message is choosing to believe. For me, scientific proof is not needed for me to believe in a God. See, a lot of people think that the Bible was written to prove that God exists. The Bible was not written to prove that God exists. The Bible was written to state that God exists, not to prove anything. God does not 
listen to me. If you, if you don't hear anything, hear this in the scripture. That God does not prove himself to people that, not, that don't believe. That is not his agenda. God exists and he proves himself to people who believe. But God is not trying to prove himself to people who don't believe. And I so wish that he would because it would make my job easier. I wish that God would come down from heaven about every decade and just step out, you know, and, you know, part the ocean, say, this is, I'm God, check out what I can do. And everybody says, you know, snaps pictures, say, you know, this is God. We'd have pictures of him throughout the church, and we can prove it, but that's not the way God works. And that's not, and, and he has a purpose in that because it's about believing. Another thing is, Romans, the first chapter, addresses that type of thinking about scientific proof and you can prove that there is a God. Remember, we can't prove that God exists and nobody has ever seen God. You serve a God that you've never seen. You serve a God that you can't prove exists. What are you? Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? That's what people will think about us. You know Romans the first chapter. This is why guys, we got to study the Bible. I've been thinking this way and doing these things for over 40 years. I am more solidified in my faith than ever before, but I can ask questions that will make you think. Romans, the first chapter, addresses that type of thinking. It says that people who choose not to believe are without excuse. And I'm paraphrasing. You can read it for yourself. Because God has revealed himself and proved himself enough. God says that it is enough, and I am revealed enough in the physical attributes of the world. And if I can just break it down and paraphrase it like this, that in that scripture, it basically says this. If you can walk out into the world and you can see nature and you can look at people and think to yourself that there is no design to this and there is no creator to this, and we are all here by chance, an explosion happened for apparently no reason whatsoever in the cosmos, and by the way, that's just a theory that one person came up with. And people are banking their whole eternity on the fact that some smart guy that's dead from years ago said about this that, oh, that must be it. So we're going to bank our entire eternity on that. And God would say this in that scripture that if, that if you can see the physical attributes of the earth and think that there is no creator, no design, there's nothing to this, and it's all chance, and we're here by accident, and there's nothing beyond. If you can do that, there is no hope for you. And God does not entertain that because he has reached out. Here's another thing. Have you heard anybody say, well, we have to take the first step when it comes to our faith, when it comes to believing in God. When it comes, we, we have to take the first step. That is not true. God has already taken the first step. He took the first step 2,000 years ago when the Bible says when the word became flesh, when Jesus came to the earth. Jesus came to the earth and performed miracles, and it's recorded by several authors in the Bible. I'm not going to get into all the validity of the Bible right now. But there is nothing like the Christian religion. Nothing comes close to validity and proof like what we read in our Bible. But I'm not going to spend any time with that. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to the earth, performed miracles, walked on water, raised the dead, told everybody, he would actually say, so you'll know that I am the Son of God and I am the Messiah, and walk over and perform a miraculous healing. And in the midst of all that, there were haters and doubters all around, and people did not believe 
He was who he said he was. So even if God came down ever 10 years ago, stepped out and said, hey, I'm God and, you know, you need to live for me and serve me, people would still do whatever they want to do and they would still not believe. And even if they believed, they'd still live however they wanted to live. So God made it so simple and said, hey, it's not about validity. It's not about how the Bible was put together. It's not about, you know, you know these things are proven. It's not about that. It is about a choice. You just got to choose. Everybody chooses to believe something, and everybody has faith. An atheist has faith. That God, ex- that God doesn't exist, right? An atheist believes, because he can't prove or disprove, an atheist believes that God does not exist. So you know what? I think, I think that there is enough validity. You can get me to 80% that I know in my heart of hearts that all of this is true, and I don't understand everything. You want to, you, I mean, go to the Old Testament. It's some hardcore stuff in there. You're thinking, golly, that's a rough way to live back in there. I don't understand it. But here's, here's what I come to grips with. I don't have to understand everything to believe something. You don't have to understand everything. People who say that they have understanding really don't understand everything. Really, does anybody really have the answer to how we got here? The Bible, I believe, gives the best explanation. But does anybody, be, does anybody have actual facts and proof and, and scientific of, of how we really got here? Nobody does. So at the end of the day, it's not about proof. It's not validity, how the scriptures were put together. You know, what the church did years ago, all these things. It's about a choice. So if I can get you to do one thing today, it would be to choose to believe. Well, what about the, what about the things that, what about happened 200 years ago in the church and and what about all the things that the Bible condones? And what about, you know, this, the Bible talks about slavery? And what about racism in the Bible? And what about marriage? And, and what about all these things? I, no, 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 let's forget about all that. Forget about all that. I, I, can, I can debate with you if you want to debate. Sit down with me. I can convince you. But it ain't about that. It doesn't come at the end of the day. That's not what it comes down to. It comes down to say, you know what? I'm just going to choose to believe this. Let me ask you this. What do you got to lose? <laughs> I mean, really. You know, if, if I'm right, well, I'm, you're going to give me a high five in heaven. If I'm not right, you're not even going to know the difference, right? What do you got to lose? Walk through life believing. Walk through life that you have a creator that loves you. Walk through this life knowing that God has got your back. Walk through this life knowing that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what your struggle is, that one of these days you're going to wake up in glory and experience your family. One of these days you're going to be walk into eternity and forever be with a God who, who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Walk through life with hope, knowing Knowing that you're going to see the people that you love again some of these day, one of these days. Amen? Choose to believe. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And I believe, God, that, that you're talking to all of us today. And wherever we are and whatever we're dealing with, God, you're moving in our lives even right now. 
So wherever we are and whatever we need from you and whatever we need to experience you, Lord, I pray that you will speak to people today. May we move from not believing to choosing to believe. In the name of Jesus. As every head is bowed and everybody's doing inventory on your life, maybe God's dealing with you. I want to talk to you right now if you're a believer. You live for God. He's Lord and Savior of your life. If that's the case for you, you say, Travis, I, I live for God, but there are some things in my life that have raised doubt. Maybe for you, you're going through a situation where you're drowning, and you want to believe that God has got your back. You want to believe that God is going to move, but you've seen too much, and you feel like that man that says, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me to believe. Maybe you're right in the middle of a marriage and it's falling apart and, and you can't believe, you're, you're struggling to believe that there's any hope in this situation. Well, can I get you just, I'm not asking you to put your marriage back together. I'm just asking you, can I get you to believe that God can work a miracle in your life? Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like that God better move in your life or you're not going to make it. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've got a disease. I don't have the answer. I don't know how and why. I don't, I don't know all the things of what goes on. And when God heals somebody, I'm not asking you to do anything. But right now, is it possible that God can move greatly in your life if you just began to believe? Wherever you are and you're experiencing doubt, and you can say, Travis, God is leading me to believe in this area my life. I want to pray with you right now. If you're seated next to somebody that you love, take them by the hand because where two or three are gathered, God is right there in the midst when we agree. There's power and unity when we pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that is here. I pray for every situation. All of us experience doubt in some way. But I pray, Father, that we put that aside and wherever you and however you want to move in our lives, I pray that we walk forward God, that you will put marriages back together, that you will heal the brokenhearted, that you will heal those that are sick and diseased as we begin to believe. Lord, this is a, I believe that this is a very, very important message for people today. As we begin to move from doubt to believing, I pray, Lord, that you will move in the lives of people. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and he's not Lord and Savior of your life for whatever reason. Maybe you can say, Travis, I have never surrendered my life to God, and I want to do that today. Or for you, maybe you can say, Travis, I, have, I walked away from God. I used to live for him, and I used to serve him, but I walked away from God, and I feel like God is calling me home today. That's all right. God is not offended if you want to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you can say, Travis, I don't know, but I know that God is, is pulling at my heart. And I need to experience the love and the salvation of God that, that I don't want to step into eternity and not know that I will forever be with God and the ones that I love. Wherever you are, whatever the case may be, you know that you want to give your life to Christ today. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in the way that we just prayed. We're going to pray another prayer. It will just be between you, me, and God. 
And if you can say, Travis, because I just want to know that I'm praying for people today. If you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you right now, and I'm going to give my life to Christ. God is calling me, and I'm going to answer that call, and I'm serious about this. Just real quickly, slip your hand up and slip it down. Can anybody say that? Anybody? That's me, Travis. I just want to know if you're serious about it. I see your hand in the back. You can put it down. Anybody else? I see your hand over here. You can put it down. Anybody else before we pray? I just want to know that there's people here. That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Okay, we're going to pray. We'll all pray together. And if you lifted your hand, and you, I want you to mean it and pray this prayer. Come home and let God move in your life as we pray together. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today, and I give my life to you. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life to forgive me for all of my sins. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. From this moment on, my life is committed to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate today. <laughs>